Have you guys ever had the uh, experience or the opportunity to be a VIP at something? Uh, I think this image appears to be from some sort of club. I, I don't know if that would be as likely for you, but maybe some time where you went somewhere and you had special tickets for special access to go see somebody special, to get in a different entrance, to kind of just be treated differently. Uh, some of you guys know I do a podcast and, um, about comic book movies, and one of the things that happens sometimes is we get press access to stuff. So in a couple weeks, I'll go to New York City for a couple days, I'll have my press access, and I feel so cool. Because there'll be a big line of fans in costumes sweating out on the streets of New York, and I'll just stroll up to another door, and I'll wave my press access, and they'll be like, right in, sir. And I just go right past the lines, right? Because I am official press. Uh, it's very ridiculous, but it's nice. The only other perk we get is there's a bowl of Doritos available in a press lounge that have other journalists' germs all over them that we get to eat if we really want to. Uh, but that's my VIP experience. In a lot of ways, I feel like I am probably the worst person to get uh, that sort of access because I just don't like to take advantage of those privileges. Um, I very much feel bad asking for things, even if I probably fairly deserve them. Uh, I'm one of those guys that if I ask, uh, if I order something at a Mexican restaurant and it's supposed to come with tortillas and the tortillas don't come, I'm just like, oh, well, they didn't come, whatever. Right? Other people are like, oh, excuse me, the menu said that I deserve tortillas. And they'll make sure they get them, right? But not me. I don't like to make people give that special perk. It's not a special perk. It's on the menu, okay? But I still feel guilty about asking for it. And so I'm the worst guy to have VIP privileges because if they're like, you get an all-expense-paid package, including this and this and this, unless someone handed me what this is, I'm not going to go, I believe that uh, I deserve to get my complimentary whatever, right? Like, I just don't like to take advantage of that privilege. And privilege is kind of a word that we talk about a lot more in our society now. Uh, we have this increasing conversation around what it means to have privilege based on your socioeconomic status, your gender, your race, all of these other things. What does it mean for some people to live with privilege and some to live without? And you've probably heard people yelling and arguing about that somewhere on the internet. And for some of us, it, it means different things. For some of you, when you hear this word privilege, you think of all of the privilege that you do not have. And you get frustrated at the fact that there are other people in this world that have privileges that you don't. And you feel that injustice really strongly. Uh, some of you may be on the other end of it and you realize I have won the sociological jackpot. Okay, I am the top guy on the totem pole. I get all sorts of privileges that I don't deserve. And for some of us, that word immediately makes us feel um, almost a little guilt, right? Because we're like, oh, and we start thinking about these conversations. And it feels like there's something wrong with us or that we're bad people just because of who we are and that we have these advantages that others don't. And we just really kind of are wrestling with what to do with this reality that certain people get away with stuff that other people don't get away with. And we've got a story today. We've been going through the book of Matthew. 
And today we have a funny old story. It's a silly story. It's a story that is so bizarre, Matthew is the only gospel writer that bothers to include it. It's a story about paying taxes. And so I'm guessing that Matthew, the tax collector, was like, oh, that's interesting. I'll put that in my gospel. And everybody else is like, ah. But he felt the need to include this story. And it's a story that talks about Jesus' privilege. The rights that Jesus might have. And how Jesus chose to act given the privileges that he could have taken advantage of. So we're going to open up our story in Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. The story starts this way. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Well, yes, he does, he replied. All right, this is uh, very interesting to me. This, uh, first of all, it's fascinating that the word temple does not actually appear in this text. The reason that we call it the temple tax is because it was a two drachma tax. And we know from various historical sources that a two drachma tax was de facto the temple tax, right? That was the only tax that they charged people that was this amount. So that's why we've put the word temple in there. The purpose, uh, that would be somewhat similar to if I said today, make sure you pay your 6.2% tax. Those of you who pay attention to your pay stub will know that's Social Security. Social Security is a 6.2% tax on your, on, your, uh, on your paycheck. Nobody knows that. That's fascinating. So, but anyways, if somebody said six, you need to pay your 6.2%, an accountant would go, oh, you mean the Social Security, right? So that's kind of why we know it's the temple tax. And the temple tax uh, was very simple. It was a tax to Jewish men of adult age so that they could help pay for the upkeep of the temple. Uh, the temple didn't run itself. Uh, it's interesting that they chose this taxation system instead of just uh, the offerings at the temple. This was part of the way that they had instituted a system so the temple was upkept. It makes sense if you read through the Hebrew Bible. The temple is constantly going through cycles of renovation and opening. And then, you know, 100 years later, you hear that it's fallen in disrepair and that they're having to raise lots of money to make it nice again, right? As we sometimes do with our building projects. They kind of fall apart and then come back up. And so they finally say, we're going to do a tax so that this temple stays keeping up. Uh, the other thing I find interesting about this story is how defensive Peter gets. As this story goes on, I'm not sure Peter actually knows the answer to this question. Okay, because he's going to go talk to Jesus about it, and Jesus is going to say, yeah, we need to pay that. And so in this example, they go, does your, does your teacher pay taxes? And Peter goes, yes, of course we do. He doesn't know. He has no idea. He doesn't know if Jesus has paid it or not. He's just Peter being impetuous, and he wants to make sure he doesn't have the IRS on his tail, right? So he says, of course we paid it, not knowing the actual answer to the question. So when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From who did the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. This is a, um, a somewhat cynical, but I think honest reflection of society. Jesus says, you know, when people make taxes, do they make taxes for themselves or do they make them for other people? 
And whether that's today or 2,000 years ago, the answer remains the same. Yeah, people who make taxes usually make them for other people. Uh, here they're specifically talking about, say, the emperor. The emperor would have been kind of high and exalted and above the people below them. And so the emperor, uh, when he makes his taxes, his sons are exempt. It would make no sense for a Caesar to charge his sons and daughters taxes to pay for the palace that they live in, in, this, in the ancient mindset. Of course you don't do that. You charge everybody else in the kingdom and make them pay for your house. And so Jesus says, this is the way these things function. People never charge themselves taxes. They always charge other people taxes. And if you, what you see here is the beginnings of, an, of a loophole, okay? Jesus has put here a very clear example, and the logic is not that far to go. If the emperor doesn't make his son pay to keep up his house, the palace then God's son doesn't have to pay taxes to keep up the temple that is God's home. Right? This is the logic. Jesus is saying, I don't have to pay that temple tax because I'm the son of God. And he begins to open the loophole. And I'm sure in Peter's mind, Peter's like, yes, two drachmas saved. Right? Uh, this is about the amount of um, a half a day's wage. So today, you know, somebody makes 10 bucks an hour. It's not quite minimum wage, a little more than minimum wage. But you make 10 bucks an hour. This is like a $40, $50 tax that's being charged. And Peter's probably thinking, oh, cool. I don't have to mess with that. And it's going to be interesting. The reason we bring this up is because Jesus is basically saying, I have the privilege and the right to not pay this. I'm the son of God. I don't pay for the temple. It's what we expect him to say based on the direction he's going. And then comes the next verse. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you'll find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and for yours. Um, this is a phrase that no one uses anymore. Hey, in order to avoid offense, let's anything, right? We like to create offense. We live in an offense-creating culture. And Jesus does this really fascinating thing where he goes, I don't have to pay this, but it's going to cause a big, hairy mess if I don't. So just go pay it. Like, let's just do it. Um, I want you for a second to consider how countercultural this is for you if you are an American citizen. You live in a country that literally decided they would rather shoot other people than pay taxes they didn't want to pay, right? Like that is at the foundation of our existence as a nation of unjust taxation means grab our rifles. And Jesus here goes, I don't have to pay it. I'm exempt. But you know what? I would rather, you know, whatever. Let's not make a stink about it. There's no reason to cause a fuss. There's no reason to offend anybody. Let's just pay it. Okay, nobody pays taxes they don't have to pay, right? We all go out of our way to figure out how not to pay taxes. My children were asking recently about my grandfather. 
what did you know about him, Dad? And I was like, he was a sweet man that really loved kids and was good at playing cards and really loved avoiding taxes. I mean, this was at the like core of his being. I remember him talking to my dad about all the creative ways he found not pay taxes because we hate paying taxes. And Jesus goes, you know what? There's no reason to cause a fuss about it. We have the privilege and the right to not do this, but we're not going to use our rights if it's going to cause a fight and going to cause offense and it's going to cause striving. We'd rather be four drachma poorer than be in an argument or a fight. Do you ever think, oh, I'd be willing to be 20 bucks poorer if I could avoid a fight? Some of us fight for nothing. And Jesus goes, let's not make offense. Let's, let's, not, let's not give this. Now, I find a, a couple things about this really interesting. Uh, first of all, this is kind of a bizarro miracle, right? Uh, getting a coin out of a fish's mouth is a little more on the pedantic side of miracles. Like healing a man with leprosy is, is beautiful. And helping a man who's never seen to see light for the first time. Those kinds of things would make us cry if we saw them on a YouTube video, right? Getting a coin out of a fish's mouth is like, oh, okay. But I think there's some meaning here. I think there's reasons why he does this with the fish. One of them is Peter is a fisherman. So when Jesus says, go grab a coin out of a fish's mouth, he's saying, keep on doing the job that you've been doing. Keep on working the way you've been working. I don't think it's a mistake. Jesus didn't just pull this out of a hat. He was saying, what we need you to do is keep on doing the thing that you do for your living. Uh, I, I see in this Jesus kind of telling Peter, just keep going. If you work hard at your career, God is going to provide for you. If you need your tax, then just keep working and you'll make enough money to be able to pay your taxes. Okay? I see him sort of affirming the career and the vocation and the work that Peter does. But I think also... Um, there's something here about sharing the burden, right? Uh, it's fascinating to me that Jesus says, go get this fish and in it will be a coin big enough for your tax and for mine. Uh, I think it would be very easy for Jesus to have gone, listen, Peter, go catch some fish and go handle your taxes. I've already paid mine. I'm set. But Jesus says, you know what? You're having a hard time with this. Let's, let's share this burden. Let's do this together. Peter is able, Jesus, by sort of this miracle, provides for Peter. And Peter, by going out and fishing, provides for Jesus. There's partnership in it. This is the way that it should work when we have hard times in life. That you have people around you that help support you in the things that are difficult. Okay, this is part of the reasons we have a church. is so that when you guys have hard times, there's a community here that cares about you and loves, about, loves you. If you've got something financially that's going on that's really stressing you out, please talk to us and let's see what we can do to bear that together. Because if you're pushing that truck all by yourself, it's really lonely and muddy and terrible. But when you have somebody doing it with you, it can be a lot easier to bear. This really, I think, instructs us about sort of the nature of Jesus, the way Jesus went about things. Ultimately, what Jesus is saying here is just because I have the right or the privilege to something doesn't mean I take it. 
There's this famous verse from Corinthians about how Jesus was in very nature God, but did not consider that something to be grasped, but made himself like a servant. We have varying amounts of sort of privilege and rights in this room. Uh, Another way to put that, we have varying amounts of things that we can get away with. And it's really easy to be very selfish about how we look at those things and to say, hey, if I can get away with it, I'm going to do it. If I've got a privilege, I'm going to use it. If I have a right, I'm going to demand it. And Jesus just fundamentally challenges that idea. He says, just because I don't have to pay the temple tax doesn't mean I'm not going to pay the temple tax. Just because I am the king of the universe does not mean that I won't live in a manger. Just because I am God's son does not mean I will not suffer death and persecution on a cross for the sake of other people. Because standing up for what I have a right to or what I have a privilege to while other people suffer who don't have that privilege is not Christ-like. How can you use the things that you are blessed with to help other people and to share the burden? Uh, This can be a passage that feels really... Let's be honest, can feel really obtuse from your life, okay? I doubt any of you are going to be asked to pay two drachma temple tax this week, right? That is not going to be something that you find in your mail. But the reality is you will probably see somebody this week who's struggling with something financially. You will probably have a moment where you either benefit or suffer from systematic privilege in our society. There's going to be a moment where the question is, who has the right to this? Who has the privilege of this? Who can get away with this? And who gets stuck with the bill? And Jesus says, I will take the bill. No matter how stuck you are in something, Jesus would like to help you with it. I'm guessing you're not going to get a, a, a coin and a fish. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you go to the fish market and there'll just be dollar bills falling out of its mouth. I don't know. But I think more likely there are, uh, there's other more spiritual ways that God wants to provide you comfort in your difficulty. And we have in this story somebody who could look at Peter and go, Psh, that's your problem. That's your issue. Stinks to be you. Deal with it. And Jesus says, that is not the way I go about things. I don't have to pay the temple tax, but I will. And I don't have to help you with it, but I want to. It's my prayer that we will see where we are in these situations. Uh, on, on both sides. If you're somebody who could use a hand to help be helped with something, let God bless you with that. Let him use this community to bless you with something to deal with overcoming something that's in your way, whether it's fair or not, to help you deal with what's going on. On the other side, if you're somebody who's doing really well and the, 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 the systems we live in are helping you out, share that privilege and that benefit. It is not for you to take and absorb and enjoy. It is for you to use for the benefit of other people. And we have to be aware of those things. It's my hope that as we see, we read in this text, we see a Jesus who says, I want to not fight for me. I want to help you with what you need.
A Jesus that gets off of the throne, that gives up his status as the son, and says, I am willing to suffer and to die and even help you pay your taxes if I have to. Because in the end, I want to share with you the privilege of knowing the Father so that you can enjoy the glory that is owed me and that I freely give to you. And that shapes us into a different kind of person. All right, at the end of all of our sermons, um, we do a Q&A. So if you have any questions about this passage or about the way we applied it or any of that, I would be happy to answer them. Yeah, and I think that's really helpful. I mean, I, I tried to open a little bit this idea of, that we've talked about in privilege. And it's really interesting. Whenever you talk about that, everybody's like, yeah, those privileged people are the worst. And yeah, I'm definitely not one of them. And then you go, well, what about this? And people get real defensive real fast, right? And there is something I think that is godly about, let me look at the world around me and let me listen to people who aren't like me. That's a real big piece. And when they say, hey, you've got it pretty easy because of this, to go, oh, wow, that's a blessing that I have that I didn't realize I have. And now I want to be more responsible about how you use it. You know, like the honesty to accept yeah, this part of my life is not as hard as it could be, and I should be thankful for that. Um, that's developing a spirit of gratitude that's really hard. This is, this is the thing that bugs me most about kids. I'm constantly like, you don't know how well off you've got it. Like, you do not know how easy this is for you. And I try to constantly, like, drill into them. Like, there's times where I'm like, I want to take away every toy you own so you can realize how good your life is, you know, because it's just... There's just not enough gratitude. But developing that helps us to then be sensitive to the fact that there's always people that are doing better and there's always people that are struggling more. And that's why I like that last kind of image. There's a guy getting helped on the one side, but he's helping somebody else on the other side because that's where most of us are. Is not the worst spot in the world, but not the best spot in the world. Yeah. So first of all, I think a political scientist would say you are very underestimating how much say you do have via voting and participation in the political process, right? So I, I'm not fighting with you. I'm just saying that I think that's one thing people would say. Um, I think the other thing about this, though, and this is, I think this is really helpful. Scripture always talks about God people, God's people having an abundance mindset. My father in heaven owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There is not a bit of wealth that God does not ultimately control. And so we get annoyed by our taxes and we're like, well, my money is going to this thing. And I think God would say, I'm giving you enough money. Don't worry about it. Okay. If it's, even if it's getting wasted, that's okay. You're going to have enough. And um, the thing that always helps me whenever it comes to being good, like obeying the government or... Um, these Christian themes of being good citizens and not fussing, they always tell this to a group of Christians who are living under Roman emperors who would slit a Christian's throat if it's to their advantage. And Paul goes, yeah, still obey them. Still pay your taxes. Jesus literally tells people, pay taxes to the entities that are later going to nail them to a cross. And so Jesus' theory of paying taxes is never depends on the money going to good source, like going to good things. It's just, this is how you live in a society. And societies have to have governments and governments have to have funding. So there has to be taxes. So just pay it. Don't worry about it. And God will provide enough for you.
Does that make sense? Like, I think that would be a New Testament perspective. And I would say this is where studying history is so helpful. Study the Roman Empire of the first century and what absolute horrid, disgusting, gross people the emperors of the first century were. And then pick up your Bible and read, pray for those in government and obey, your, obey the king and pay your taxes. And it's like, but, but, but they know, okay, they suffered it. Peter literally, that Peter would have been writing, pay your taxes in a letter while chained with chains that were getting paid for by that tax money. And the disgustingness of the Roman Empire never made Christians say, we're not going to participate in sort of the financial health of the government that keeps order. Christianity is a very order-based religion. And so they do like chaos is not great. <laughs> Does that make sense? So I would just say, so we're, we're getting into like theology class now. Excuse me if we go a little professorial. Uh, I would say that personal engagement in something like war, personally holding the gun and pulling the trigger, in my knowledge of Christian history, has always been treated differently than taxes. Does that make sense? Like, yes, conscientious objection is a big thing in the history of the church all the way back to the first century. But there were Christians in the first century who paid their taxes and refused to, refused to be part of the Roman military. Right? Like, um, I believe, as I read my scripture, that paying taxes is one of those things where God says, you don't have to object about this because I am... There, there's no disagreement. The government told you to pay your taxes and God told you to pay your taxes. So you both do that. And I don't know why taxes are a thing like that, but scripture is very clear. There's three or four examples where scripture says over and over and over again, despite the unjustness of the person that is in charge, you still pay your taxes and are part of society, um, which is interesting to me. And for me, that, that cleans off any objections I have to where the money's going because I'm like, God told me to do it. And so for me, that resolves the tension. Whereas love your enemy, cheat, you know, turn the other cheek versus join a military and shoot someone, that is, that's more odds for me personally. But not for everybody. I mean, some, some people don't feel that way. So um, yeah, it just seems like taxes is the big exception where Jesus goes, don't worry about that. Leave your philosophical objections at home and just pay your taxes and get it over. So that you can live, again, so that you can live at peace. Because I think Jesus knew, if you really want to get the government riled up at you, don't pay your taxes. <laughs> right? Like, that's the one thing you can do. Most government officials are going to go, are we still getting tax money? Okay, whatever. They can do what they want. You know, um, it's that, that financial part is really what causes strife and then gets us thrown in jail and causes problems of greater problems. It is interesting. I feel like it's important to mention that um, we're asking questions today about how a Christian responds to a democratically representative government. Peter and Paul and Jesus would have gone, oh, what now? You are all talking about things that Peter didn't have the privilege to be engaged in. Now, that's not bad. But I'm just saying, we have to remember this text is written from a place where the government's in charge, you don't vote for them. If you fuss about them, they will kill you. And in the midst of that, Jesus goes, just pay your taxes. Um, 
I think, and this is just Caleb's opinion, this is not the word of the Lord, this is Caleb's opinion. We get real worked up about this stuff, and I think Jesus might say, leave that alone and go minister to somebody. Go help a kid who's not getting the education they need get tutored. Like, go help a homeless person eat. Go, you know, like, do something in your society. It's like, you can fight with Caesar all day long, but Caesar does not give a flip about you. That's the way the first century church believed. So don't worry about it. Go out there and go make the changes that really practically impact people's lives. Because the amount of time that you get fussed, where you get fussing about stuff that you can't change because it is so far above you, is time that's lost changing real lives. Now again, that's just my perspective. But it, it comes from a place where the early church had no expectation the government would ever change. They had the expectation that they would be faithful regardless what the government did. And for me, I think that's a major mindset for us. Are you going to be faithful to God's call whether the system around you is is helping or not? And for me, that's been a very helpful, healthy shift. I spend a lot less time worried about a lot less things because now I worry about helping the people that I see every day instead of working to fight something up the chain that just frustrates me. Does that make sense? Like, listen, I'm not telling anybody what to do. I'm just saying I think that that's a challenge for us. That the early church accepted that Rome was going to be Rome. And you still have to do what God called you to do. Yeah, it's, so I think it's really interesting. I think what you're, you're saying, what I see is there's kind of three layers, right? There's the big societal change, but then there's the change in the people who are around you and are in a relationship with you. And then there's that change inside of you. Like the personal change, like am I going to be the person I want to be? And for most of us, the most impact is here and then here and then out there. And the hardest change is here and then here and then out there. So we got lots of big challenges here. Um, I feel like <laughs> uh, it was a good conversation, right? That's why we do Q&As is to go into uh, other things. Uh, it's my hope today that what you take from this is that um, Jesus, whether you've got the privilege or not, wants to bless you with his. That his relationship and connection to the Father is something that he wants to share with, with you so that you can have that relationship with God. Uh, we've got one more song and then we'll be done.